bucks. Never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan in lovely Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where here on Thursday evening we are waiting more snow because, of course, we're getting more snow. I can't complain. We had no snow in November. We had no snow in December, really. I... Not going to play about a few inches of snow here and there. Uh, he is Nathan Marzion. Follow him on uh, Twitter uh, or X at Nathan Marzion. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Uh, since last we talked, the Bucks got embarrassed by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, however, before we get to that, I'd like to give some credit here because our boy, Nathan Marzion, called this. He said they're going to rest one of these guys in each one of these three games, and it's going to give you an opportunity to get these guys some extra rest. Now, of course, the Bucks and Bucks for tradition never say they're resting anybody. All of a sudden, a shoulder contusion popped up in 24 hours uh, from an off day. He got a shoulder contusion. That's I made me laugh. Um, so, yeah, Giannis doesn't play because of a shoulder contusion, in air quotes. Uh, so we'll see if he's ready for the Detroit Pistons back-to-back uh, coming up here in a couple days, Saturday and Monday. Uh, but if, if this goes to Marzion's plan. More than likely, Middleton is probably going to miss one of these. Um, if, if need be here. And then what Lillard was the other one you thought might miss or Brooke or one of those two guys. Yeah. I mean, I just, this is, you know, I have no inside sources or anything like that. It was literally just me saying, Hey, you know, they have two games in the span of basically like eight days or seven days here. You know, you had a uh, two day break, play the Cavs, another two day break, play the, play the Pistons once another break. And then you play the Pistons. And so, um, I just was looking at it. I'm like, there is a chance where you can basically get a guy, you know, a whole week off like Giannis is getting. Now he gets Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all off and only misses one game. Um, and then if you, you know, if you rest someone against Detroit, which I was like, you know, even if, even if the schedule wasn't like this, where they have this break beforehand and you play back-to-back games against Detroit, I still would expect possibly you guys to sit in one of those games because just you're playing Detroit back-to-back games. Like it seems like a decent time to rest some guys. Um, but you get and, a day off in between. They're not legitimately back to back. You're stuck. In yeah, yeah, for yeah. Three days mean, essentially. Yeah, and I just mean playing them two games in a row. I mean, right. it's a, it's a, the worst team in the league. You're playing twice in a row. I would, I don't expect all of everyone to play both of those games. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be shy. I don't know what their plan exactly is. Like, I don't know. Maybe they'll rest Giannis again, give him another day, another two days off, and say, hey, you know, we're playing Detroit. Yeah, uh, Damon, Chris, you know, go out there and win us a game. You know, we just got our butt kicked out on Wednesday and maybe it's a little bit of like a, a let's get their confidence going again for Damon, Chris, or, you know, again, you give Chris some rest, which would give him Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all off or Dame the same thing if you want to rest him. So yeah, they have some options here. It was, it was disappointing that they got blown out on Wednesday, obviously. Um, you know, because when I when I went through this plan of like, okay, maybe they can rest guys. You were hoping, okay, you can rest them and still possibly win each of these games. And obviously, that was not the case Wednesday. They just never were even in that game. They looked terrible. But um, you know, I, I it's 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 frustrating, but it's like I can't freak out too much when it's a a game without Giannis. And it's just it's like when when Giannis is out and Chris can't hit a bucket to save his life. But and they Dave's were without. But they were without Garland and without Mobley. It wasn't like know, they were at full health and the Bucks no, were without Giannis. I know, but Giannis is obviously a bigger loss than either of those guys. And it's just, I mean, they've been playing without those guys for a while now. This was not True. their first game without those guys. They've been yeah. playing, de- they're on a five-game winning streak, maybe six-game winning streak now. So, um, I and I, I'm not saying that it's totally fine the Bucks looked as bad as they did. Like, I was very frustrated by it. It's not a good sign. But, again, I just was looking at it, I'm like, Sometimes you just have these games, you know, in a game where 
you know, again, Dame wasn't, you know, playing his best. Chris was terrible. And in, in most games, you're going to lose like that, let alone when you don't have Giannis. It's like you're, you're missing your one, your two is a little bit off, and your three is terrible. Like, obviously, you're not going to win many games when that's the case. Like, that's not some surprise. That's not some – I don't expect that to be the case going forward. You know, I expect all three – I expect Giannis to be playing. I expect Dame to be a little bit better, and I expect Chris to be a lot better. So, um, you know – What happens if they lose this first Pistons game Saturday without Giannis? I mean, it's, it'll be very embarrassing and frustrating, but it, I don't know. It'll be, you're still going to hold your composure. You're still going to be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's all right. They didn't have Giannis. Is that going mean, to be on, on Saturday? If they lose this game, am I going to go on social media and see Nathan Marzian go, hey, man, they didn't have Giannis? Like, you know, it's going to happen. No, they didn't have Giannis. Because I'll tell you right now, they lose to the damn Pistons with or without Giannis. I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, no, and I didn't I didn't do that for Wednesday's game either. I wasn't like, oh, it's totally fine. Because, again, I'm not saying it's totally fine. I'm not saying that, oh, who cares that they got blown out by 40. I'm simply saying, you know, I, I'm not going to let this change my entire opinion of the team or, or really drastically change my opinion of the team because they had a really bad game without Giannis, like, in January. I'm not – I just can't do that. Um, you know, if they lost to the Pistons, I'd be like, man, that sucks. They, they are just – you know, that, that's a low point of the season. But I'm not going to say, oh, they lost the Pistons in January. That means they absolutely cannot win. They're eliminated from the title essentially now, and they have no chance. Like, I don't know. I feel like people sometimes just take these games, and it's like they have to draw these grand conclusions from them. And it's like my opinion on this team has not changed with many of these wins or losses. Like the wins make me feel good. The losses make me feel bad. But my my overall opinion of the team for much of this season has been the exact same. Like, And I'm not going to let one game or, or two games – change my opinion of that um which is i think their starters are pretty good i think their big three is really good and i still think they're one of the best teams in the league they just probably gonna need to make a trade to improve the defense and like every kind of game that happens i'm kind of just like yeah that's pretty much the case like and you see a game where chris shoots one of 10 and dame shoots seven of 20 i'm not looking at that saying oh my gosh those guys suck what are you know they're 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 underperforming they're so bad it's like they had a bad game. If that happened consistently all the time, then I'd say, okay, what is up with, you know, why, why are these guys not playing, um, playing well at all? But Chris has been good for like a month and a half now. He had a bad game, you know, and Dame obviously has had some struggles, but he had a really good month and a half before he, you know, before the start of this new year. And then by all accounts, he had some very big personal stuff in his life that was going on, which very well could have been affecting his play lately. So um, like, it's Damian Lillard. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust Chris. I there's things that I think are valid criticisms when you want to criticize the defense and the coaching and that stuff. Like I have, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize you for that. I'm not going to say, why are you criticizing coach Griffin? No, because there are things that to be concerned about. But when people are like looking at a game like yesterday and saying, Oh, Chris sucks. Oh, Dame sucks. It's like, no, they, they had a bad game. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to all of a sudden turn on Chris because he had a one game where he played poorly. I'm not going to all of a sudden say Dame sucks because he's been playing a little bit poorly for like a week. It's, it's whatever, you know, I, I am frustrated by it, but I think they'll get past it. This stuff happens. You're going to go through some good stretches. You're going to go through some bad stretches. They just won three in a row. You know, I'm not going to sit here after they won three in a row and say, look at this. The team is hundred percent winning the finals because it's like, no, they have a good stretch and then they're going to have a bad stretch and then they'll have a good stretch. You hope they have more good than bad stretches, which, so far by their record they have and you hope that after the deadline and as you get closer to the playoffs as you get you know Crowder involved in this thing again 
that it starts to look a little bit better and it starts to look a little bit more consistent. Um, and that's all you can really do. Like, I just, I, I hate the overreacting every single game. Cause that's not what being an NBA fan should be. Like you're, it's an 82 game season. It's a marathon. The way the game is played now, it's a lot of variance night to night where you can have a bad shooting night, a good shooting night. It can just be falling for you one night. And all of a sudden the next night you suck. And the team you're playing is red hot. Like it just games like that happen. You know, I, Boston almost lost to Detroit this year at home. Does that mean they suck? No. You know, it, bad games happen for teams, and sometimes they're going to look terrible. Sometimes they're going to look great. If they go out and beat the Pistons by 50, I'm not going to be like, oh, look, they're they're the best team in the league. There's it, It'll be like, okay, good sign. That's a good That's good that they won by 50. That's good that they killed them. But that's not going to drastically change everything I think about the team because of one game. Uh, the question is, do blowout losses, losses concern you in the regular season? Um, I think it... Depends largely on who the team is and what we're talking about here, right? So if you're talking about a team that's expected to compete for a championship and has a good record, then blowout losses should not concern you. Uh, if you're a team battling for the 7 or 8 seed or the play-in tournament, the 9 or 10, uh, then yeah, then they may become more concerning uh, for you in general because you're playing on the fringes here. Um, and, and you need to win as many as you can. And every loss obviously hurts. They want a blowout loss makes you maybe second guess of how good you are, are you really when those type of things happen. Having said that, let me say this. I don't believe this team looks like a championship caliber team right now, personally. Now, it's January 18th as we record this. There's a long way to go before we get to the playoffs in April, right? So you got almost three months before you get to the playoffs. All I'm saying is right now, January 18th, watching this basketball team play, for what three months somewhere in that area uh, they they don't look like a championship caliber team they've not put together stretches defensively where you're like oh yeah they can they can throw it together like this and be like this in the postseason and i feel i feel okay with it they haven't done that yet um yeah. i haven't gotten to the point yet offensively where this even this offense feels like it's cohesive and they all know what they're doing and, and they play like one sync unit I haven't got to that point yet either. Are there games where, you know, one guy gets hot or whatever? Sure. Yeah, you have that. Lillard's going to win you games like he did against the Kings with that knockdown jumper and all of that. And that's fine. And that very well will happen in the playoffs too. But I haven't seen that either. Uh, and then Griffin, you know, again, obviously everything is going to come back to Adrian Griffin. If this team loses in the playoffs, it's going to be on him. It's not going to be on Brook Lopez if he has a bad series. It's not going to be on Lillard if he has a bad series everybody's going to come looking for Adrian Griffin and saying he's the reason why they lost the series. I mean, it's it's all being laid out right now. There are a bunch of people that want him fired already, and we're in the middle of January. And I don't want him fired. I want to see how this thing goes. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and give him three months and, and see how this whole thing works out. But as of right now, coming off of that Cavalier game uh, and watching it without Giannis, man, this does not feel like a championship team. I mean, I know I watched games without Giannis with Bud, and it didn't look like that. They They again, this is the other thing that's concerning to me. When Jason Kidd was the coach and Scott Skiles both, and they weren't winning, there was a lot of this talk of, well, our energy's got to be better. Well, you know, we got to, you got to provide more effort and bang and do more rebounding and stuff. A lot of the stuff Adrian Griffin says is a lot of stuff I heard when we weren't all that great. Now, again, Skiles had a playoff team or whatever here, or there, and Kidd too, but for the most part, they weren't championship caliber teams. When you start talking about, well, we got to bring better energy and we got to give better effort and da, 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 that type of stuff. Teams that are championship caliber more times than not are the teams that are providing that 
you know, 100% energy more times than not throughout the course of a season. You're not questioning effort more times than not. A lot of times those teams that are competing for fringe playoff spots and so forth are the teams that are the roller coaster of they're playing hard this night and then they're not playing hard for two nights and they're playing hard for two nights and they're not playing hard for another night. And it's the ebbs and flows of playing hard versus not playing hard. You don't get that with championship caliber teams more so than not. Um, And I just feel like there's too much of that with this team this year, there's too much of him talking about them not giving enough effort, them having to provide more energy and uh, right away at the start of the game. And, oh, look, they're in the second half. Uh, see, we provided some good energy and effort there. Yeah, because you were down by 20-plus points. That, that's why you provided. But where the hell was it at the beginning of the game? That's, to me, why you know those three things, and they're three significant things, why I sit here today, January 18th, and say, I, I this does not feel like I'm watching a championship-caliber basketball team right now, Nathan. Yeah. And that's very fair. You know, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Like I, they're four and five in their last nine games. Like I don't think it's been a championship caliber team that they've looked lately either. Um, you know, I, I'm simply saying I'm, I'm not going to look at each game as like the biggest deal in the world. Like I try to look right. at the bigger picture. Um, I try to put things into perspective a little bit of like, okay, you know, and I mean, the defense is the the thing that, like, again, I think that's completely fair to criticize the defense and be very be concerned about that because it's been consistently bad. You know, it, they have never put together consistent stretches of looking really good defensively. Um, besides against some bad teams earlier in the season, they had a couple stretches where they looked a little bit better. But it's like I, I, I don't have much faith in the defense right now. And again, I think they need to make a trade to improve the defense. I don't think it's going to improve on its own. Um, that is a that's a very fair thing to be you know concerned about and. Those are the things you know, I was just kind of saying the, the things that I'm saying are valid criticisms are, are that type of stuff. And the things that I think are not valid are when people see, you know, again, when you when you see Chris Middleton play 18 out of 20 good games in, in a month and a half, and then he has one really bad game and people say, oh, what is it? Chris Middleton needs to be traded. What is Chris? Middleton? And then I'm like, OK, now we're focusing on the wrong stuff. Like that is not something that is going to continue. Most likely that is not something you expect to continue. The defense and the coaching stuff is stuff that is concerning because I've seen it continue. It's been consistent. Um, and, you know, you hope that they can get back on track here a little bit. I mean, they they put together some decent stretches this season of, of you know, of pretty good basketball where they were, you know, had, went on some winning streaks and, like, they looked pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, they basically since Christmas, it's kind of been – um, a little bit rocky. You hope they can get a little bit of their confidence back. You know, they had a little three game win streak there and obviously, I mean, it sucks to lose by 40, but if, if they can look good in, you know, they got Detroit, Detroit, Cleveland, Cleveland, New Orleans, Denver, and Portland to close out this month. Like if you can play some good basketball down the stretcher with Giannis, I'll be more confident. Cause I'll say, okay, at that point, you know, in the games with Giannis, because, because I'm not going to, it's hard for me to look at a game without Giannis as I'm not going to take too much away from it just because if we don't have Giannis in the playoffs, I'm not going to expect us to win. I'm not going to expect us to win the title. So I'm not whatever. Um, but if they can get Giannis back and look better and they look a little bit more consistent and, you know, with Jay Crowder in lineup, you'll start to be like, okay, you know, it's starting to round into form. Um, you know, that Boston game, maybe turn them around a little bit, but this right now is a pretty big bump in the road, and you're just hoping that these two Detroit games, I think it's a good time to play Detroit where you can hopefully get a couple wins, get some confidence back. And um, and again, if you need to rest some guys, rest some guys. But um, hopefully they can get a couple easy wins here before they play Cleveland twice again at home um, and can maybe get some some revenge on them. 
All right, so you end up uh, on national TV, of course, with this Cavaliers game in which you know you get your uh, you get your butts banged, uh, and there was some talk of Chris Middleton uh, on the broadcast, uh, and we'll talk uh, about that coming up next. Has Chris Middleton played up to expectations uh, so far this season? That's next Green and Growing podcast. Download on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Also live streaming this bad boy uh, like uh, we do most times right there on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Make sure to check us out there as well. Like, subscribe, follow, hit the bell for notifications. All that fun stuff uh back after this on the green and growing podcast hey it's c sparky 5 for 12 50 a.m the fan uh, make sure to check out uh 12 50 a.m the fan.com if you're a packer fan coming up tomorrow morning i'll be loading my interview that i did today with mike wall the former packer offensive lineman his thoughts uh pretty interesting thoughts on this game coming up against the niners what the packers have to do and his thoughts on this offensive line throughout the year and some comments made by Adam Stenovich, Packers offensive coordinator, concerning Jordan Love versus Aaron Rodgers and how this offense runs. Uh, so we'll get into all that with Mike Wall. Again, that interview will be up tomorrow at 12.50 a.m. TheFan.com. Plus, the newest edition of Curt and Long will be up tomorrow afternoon at 5 with Ryan Horvat and myself and Joe Shasky from the game in San Francisco uh, talking about the Packers and Niners game. He has Nathan Marzian here as well. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. We talk about Chris Middleton uh, and expectations, but first, a couple of comments uh, off of the YouTube page from Mark. This team is worse than last year. Giannis missed a lot of games last year, and they did fine this year. They were eleven and eight. without him. He, they were they were eleven oh. and eight in games without Giannis last year. Like I don't. That's the other thing I don't. People don't even think about what they're saying when they say stuff like that. It's just like, like they won a lot of games last year. Of course they were the one seed, but they weren't that good in the games. Giannis didn't play. They weren't like, Oh, they, they could lose Giannis and just, they were amazing. Um, that wasn't the case. Like I, they were 11 and eight without them. They're one and one this year. They, this isn't like, this is their fourth time playing without Giannis and they've been blown out each time. They've been, they played two games without Giannis. One of them, the first one, they looked really good. Dame played great. They beat the Raptors by like 20. They were awesome in that game. And it was like, okay, no Giannis, no problem. This one, they got blown out. It was the other side. Like, they just played like crap. And it's like, again, I, it happens. And, I mean, I'm not going to – if it was happening four or five times in a row of them playing without Giannis and getting and getting their butts kicked, yeah, I'd be more concerned about it. This is one time. This is one time we've seen this happen, that they've played without Giannis and gotten smoked. So Another comment that's up here says, team chemistry is not what it was last year. I, I, I'll say this. Um, I think it's hard for a fan to judge team chemistry a little bit. Um, if you're not in the locker room, if you're not on the trips, if you're not at the practices, that's kind of where you see it a little bit more than what you may see it in a game. Now you can say, well, you know, in any game situations, guy hits a shot and a bunch of dudes are sitting down and not clapping and not going crazy. Okay. Well, that's a dead giveaway. Fine. I'll give you that. Uh, but unless you have some dead giveaways about team chemistry while you're watching the game, to me, it's a struggle to question team chemistry unless you're literally at the practices traveling with the team and kind of seeing what this is, you know, in past years, you've seen the teams go out to movies together, uh, go out and have team dinners and stuff like that. The Packers are a prime example of that. Jordan love having people over to his house a couple of times during the season uh, and doing stuff. Rogers used to go out to dinner with a, a group of his guys uh, all the time throughout the course of a season when he was a quarterback. So there are those type of chemistry building things that exist. But again, you and I aren't a part of any of those. So unless they tell us, or tell the media that that's how we find out, there's no way to know kind of what team chemistry is really like unless somebody that's inside that locker room or at these practices kind of passes along to us. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Nathan, but that's my take on it. Yeah, and I don't 
I, to me, I haven't noticed the chemistry being worse. I mean, I think guys are talking. I've seen guys talking more on the court, which to me is a good thing. Um, it's not always like, they're not always all happy and you know, everything's great, but it's like, they're figuring out their issues. And that, that's something you need when you have a new team and a new coach, like you need more communication, you need them talking more. Um, there were times last night where like, I could see guys getting a little frustrated, which again, I don't mind when you're down 40 and you're down, you're getting your butt kicked. Like, would you rather see guys smiling and happy together? Or would you rather see guys getting a little frustrated? Like, I don't mind them being frustrated in those moments. Um, I just, I haven't noticed anything like to me, I, I I've not watched this season. I've been like their chemistry so off. It's just like, no, like there's still, I think to me, it's been more scheme stuff. It's been more, um, you know, defensive personnel stuff than anything else. Like I don't, I don't look at chemistry as an issue. I don't know. I just, I, there, there's plenty of like, again, to me, it, there's plenty of things or several things that you can point to as legitimate concerns, as legitimate things that are hurting this team right now, the defense, the coaching, the, the lack of perimeter defenders. I don't think chemistry is one of those issues that I'm like really concerned about. Like it, I, they, they seem like they're fine. Giannis, Chris and Dame seem to be working well together. I think their chemistry has gotten better as the season's gone on, on the court and, I mean, again, by all accounts, like Malik Beasley was on an interview talking about how great the the locker room is and how um, the vibes are immaculate. Like, there's nothing to tell me that the chemistry is bad. So, you know, I don't think we can really talk about uh, or really can assume that it's bad. I will say this uh, about chemistry. I was, uh, when I was Nathan's age, um, maybe a little bit older into my 30s, I was, uh, I don't give a crap about chemistry guy, right? I don't care if these guys like each other. I don't care if they hang out together off the court. Are off the field. I don't really care as long as they can, you know, hit their average and hit home runs or catch the ball when the ball is thrown to them and stuff like that. That's all I care about. I don't care if these people like each other or not. Who cares? That's all. That's all overblown. And Leroy Butler and Gilbert Brown and Gary Ellerson worked on me for years and finally proved their point. And you saw it with the Brewers, where you know they performed past expectations. A lot of that had to do with counsel being able to set that tone and really have good clubhouses and guys that were playing for each other. You can see it in the locker room this year where. These guys are playing for each other. Uh, they're even sticking up for Joe Barry on the defensive side of the locker room, saying they're playing for Joe B. My God, who who would even say that publicly? But they're saying it, uh, and they're sticking up for their guy, right? On the offensive side, you know, they're all young. They're all hanging out, doing their thing together. So, again, good chemistry, great chemistry can help you maybe get a couple more wins uh, before it's all said and done. Bad chemistry, you can win despite, yes, but it also can tear, cause a – um, the ability to tear apart a locker room and have a team dismantle when you get into a little bit of a rough stretch of a season if these you don't like each other and jealousy sets in and trash talking in the locker room, a team could fall apart. That's not the case with the Bucs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the importance of chemistry is more than maybe what fans expect is is my point in all that. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I mean, I I again, it's just not something that I really look at as a, as a big concern with this team. You know, I, I think it'd be I obvious. If there, it'd be obvious if there were concerns. You know, you'd be like hearing stuff about how um, guys aren't getting along, and you know, the guys just look visibly like they they don't like playing with each other. Like I just, I don't see that. There's a couple other things that I I hear people say a lot that I'm like, I just don't get where you're getting this from. And number one is like people saying this team has no fight, and I'm like. Like, what about this season has made you think this team has no fight? Like, have they not fought back from so many ugly starts in this season to, like, come back and get back in games, win clutch games? You know, they they lost to the Boston that first game, but they fought back from 25 down to lose by three, made it a game. They were down 27 against the Blazers, came back and won. They were, um, you know, they, they've been down several times and kind of got up and, and punched back. And, um, 
you know, again, a night like last night, I like you can maybe say, okay, last night they didn't show much fight, of course. But like, I just, it seems like anytime they're playing bad, people come up with they don't have any fight this year. They got no fight. And it's like, I would argue last team's team had less fight because whenever they were down, it seemed like they couldn't come back and they would always blow leads. You know, they would have the lead late and then they'd collapse down the stretch. And it was like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd rather be the team that, um, is able to come back from deficits than the one that you're like worried whenever they have a lead that they're going to blow it. Um, so I don't understand the whole no fight thing. And then I've seen several people talking about how, um, oh, players continue to to call out the coaching and call out Adrian Griffin. And it's like, why can't like, I just don't understand why. And we talked about this earlier on the podcast. Giannis can't say like, Oh, this defense has to be better, man. We gotta, you know, everything's out of you better. The 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 coaching, the players, all this, and and players calling out the players can't call out the defense without it being, oh my god, they're taking shots at Griffin. Like, no, they're obviously gonna call out the defense when it's twenty first in the league. You know, of course. Like, I, I just, I don't understand where that stuff comes from. Like, it it does. I've never heard anything of them calling out the coach or being. See, okay, like, but this is this is something like, and I saw it in the Cavaliers game. Would they have a shot clock violation? And Lopez turns around, looks at the bench, and goes like this. Like, what were we supposed to do? I don't know what we were supposed to do. That that stuff is, is a little bit frustrating to me. Now, that could be the players not knowing what they're supposed to do based on whatever play that they were supposed to run. That could be Brooks saying, hey, we need more guidance than what you're giving us as far as what you want us to run in this situation. Who knows what this was all yeah. about, throwing the arms up in the air at the bench after that shot clock violation. Um, but that type of stuff, you, know, you really didn't see that under Bud necessarily. Yeah. They all knew what they were doing. They were in lockstep, and they're learning this coaching staff three months in still. Yeah, I mean, again, they, it was a much higher floor to have Bud there and to have that system, and that, that was much easier to – much smoother ride in the regular season. But come playoff time, it wasn't the best. Like, they're obviously going to have more of that this year. And to, I'm just saying, like, can't you have moments like that where Brooke Lopez looks and, and puts his arms up? Can't you have a moment like that without it being – Oh my gosh, he's upset. At the, he's really mad at the coach. He hates this coach. He's, you know, they're calling out the coach. They're they're quitting on the coach. I've seen people talking about they're quitting on the coach. The coach has lost the locker room. I'm like, what? Like, I just don't buy that. I don't at all buy that. And the funny thing is, like, that stuff only comes out when they're losing, when they're on a bad skid. And as soon as they go on that, you know, they went on a nine game winning streak earlier in the year. There was no talk about that. It was all good vibes, great, everything's great. They lose two games in a row, and it's. Oh, you know, I think the coach has lost the locker room. They get these guys have quit on them. They're silent. They're they're silent quitting. And I'm just like, I don't know where people are getting this from. I don't know what what makes you, you know, if you if they talk to Brooke and Giannis and Chris in the post game of a game that gave up 140 points and they say, man, this defense sucks right now. That's not them saying I hate Adrian Griffin. That's them saying the defense needs to be better because no crap, it needs to be better. Like, I just don't know why you can't say they they can't say stuff like that and they can't be upset at how the defense is being played or is right now without it. Like you, you can't do that. And also be, be okay with the coach at the same time. Like I just, it, I don't right. understand where people are getting this from. I got one for you coming up on uh, YouTube. Would you take bud back as coach tomorrow? No, no, not. No. Would you? I think I'd take, Terry be, the, I think I would take, I like I said, I think I would take Terry Stotts tomorrow if given the opportunity. Yes. I think I'd take Stotts yeah, I don't know about tomorrow. It. If given the opportunity, I think I'd take Stotts for the rest of the year over Adrian Griffin. I do think I would do that. Bud just ran his course. I, that's not to say Bud can't go somewhere next year and, and take a team to the playoffs and do really well. I, I just think Bud ran his course with these guys in this locker room, including Giannis, because again, I, I don't think they move on from Bud without Giannis saying, yeah, I'm good. 
And he can tell you all that crap that he has. He doesn't have much influence and everything else. I'm here to tell you, you're making that much money and you're the face of the franchise and one of the faces of the league. They're going to come to you and ask you your opinion. Now you can sway it as, Hey, it's not like I'm running the show. No, but we all know they're going to come and talk to you because they're not trying to piss you off, which leads me to Thanasis. His brother has a no trade clause in his contract. Dude, is there anybody more worthless to have a no trade clause in the contract in the history of sports, I tell you, not just the Bucks. I'm telling you, in any professional sport, is there a lesser player ever to have a no trade contract, a no trade clause in their contract than Thanasis? And I tweeted out, quote tweeted Orzowski's article from the Journal Sentinel. I put, Thanasis has a no trade clause. Seriously. And everybody got pissed off at me. Everybody's like, well, don't you think he should? You don't want to piss off Giannis, do you? I mean, are you kidding? And then another one, oh, nobody's going to trade for him anyhow, Sparky. What's the big deal? Who cares? That's not the point. The point is the dude has no business having a no trade clause. None. I look at Giannis and be like, I'm not giving him a no trade clause. There's absolutely no chance that's happening. Because Thanasis is going to be like, I got no trade clause in my contract, dog. Why don't you have one in yours? And then, it's, now again, I don't know if Middleton does or not. So I'm just going to say, and I'm Chris Middleton. Dude, they will give me one. But, right. Chris Middleton will be like, Man, I couldn't get one. I gave you one. Or Brooke Lopez. Man, I don't got one. How the hell did you? Oh, I know how you got one. Never mind. I, I know what's going on here. I mean, that's I just, I, I drives me nuts. I know it doesn't drive anybody else nuts, but it drives me crazy. Because a no trade clause, as, as long as I've covered sports, is always something that goes to the elite players that have earned the no trade clause. The guys that have earned it, that have been MVPs, perennial all-stars, all pros, whatever. They get that. Not the last guy on the bench who's the biggest cheerleader on the team with pom-poms on the sidelines. He doesn't deserve the no trade clause. He gets it because of his brother, and I understand that, but that is ridiculous. Sorry. That, sorry, you, I had to go off on that little tangent. I forgot about it until you just brought it up whatever you brought up to trigger me. So there you go. All right, we're going to talk about Middleton. We're out of time. I want to get one more topic in, and we'll do Middleton another time. But I wanted to cover this because we're not going to be back doing this again until whatever, Tuesday or whatever it is, or Monday night. Does Pascal Siakam getting traded to the Pacers concern you for the playoffs? Take a quick time. I'll come back, see what Nathan Marzion has to say about that. Green and Growing Podcast on your Odyssey app. Download wherever your favorite podcasts are at. Stream us on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. Like, subscribe, follow, hit the bell for notifications, all that fun stuff back after this. Hey, it's C Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM. The Fan, along with my guy, Nathan Marzion. Follow me at Sparky Radio. Follow him at Nathan Marzion on Twitter. Does Pascal Siakam getting traded from the Raptors to the Pacers concern you for the playoffs and credit to Toronto for getting three freaking number one picks for a dude that's not going to probably resign. That is just simply amazing to me that they were able to pull that off. The dude is a swami in Toronto. Uh, so does Siakam going to the Pacers who have owned the Bucks, four and one against the Bucks this year, and now they get Siakam. How much of a concern is that for you looking ahead to the playoffs? I mean, it's a good fit. They got better, but as far as like when you're talking about a matchup with the Bucks and and you know how does this make you feel if you had to go against them? I mean, I feel the same way. Like I I still expect the Bucks to win that series. I still would look at that Pacers team and say, if the Bucks lost to this team, then they were had no business winning the title all season. You know, because it, to me that the Pacers are not, they're still not at the level like close enough to the level of the Bucks that I'm like, okay, that team really really could beat us in a playoff series. Like you know, very easily. Um, like I am with Boston or, you know, maybe Philly. Like it's like those teams are like, okay, I think that's, you know, if we're both healthy, like pretty much anyone's game, but 
when you talk about a team like the Pacers, like I don't expect us to lose to that team. I'm not Pascal Siakam does not change that. They gave up and, and Bruce Brown's not a, a bad player by any means. It's not like they gave up nothing to get him. Um I'd like I do him. think they got yeah, Bruce Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Bruce Brown's good. Like I'm that's what I'm saying. Like him. it's not this isn't like they just added Pascal Siakam without giving up anything. Um and again, I do think it's a good fit. Like I think that him and Halliburton will work well. I think that it does make them a better team, but to me, it's still, I still don't see them on the level as us in the playoffs. You know, you can say what you want about how, how they beat us in the regular season and had our number and all that stuff, but um, playoffs are a different animal. And I just, I would not expect this Bucks team to lose to that Pacers team in the playoffs. If they do, you know, again, I'll, I'll just say, hey, this, this was not, this team obviously was not good enough because if you're losing to the Pacers in the playoffs, you're not good enough to win the title. Um, and this Pacers team is not with Siakam. They're good. They're not, this doesn't take them to a, a an elite level by any means it's a to a three seed no four at best um they i think it takes them from okay we're bordering on the play-in to and and, you know but we'll be in the playoffs probably but we're bordering on the on the play-in tournament to okay this this is a playoff team you know they're they're a, a, a firm playoff team but i don't think this takes them to contender status by any means and again i there are there are legitimate contenders. The Bucks are one of those teams, as you know, no matter what you want to think. Like when you have Giannis, Dame, Chris, Brooke, you are a legitimate title contender. Um, and I just the Pacers still to me are not on that level, even with Siakam in that lineup. Um, you know, a good team. It just I think I think it raises their floor a little bit. You know, I don't I don't even think their ceiling. I don't think their ceiling went from to me to me before. I would have said their ceiling is they could make the second round probably. And now my ceiling is still probably okay. I think they're going to make the second round. I don't think this puts them above Milwaukee or Boston or Philly or any of those teams. So, but I think their floor is safer. I think now you're like much more confident that, okay, this is a playoff team. This is a, a team that's going to be there. Um, you just, I, I, it doesn't change much of their long-term ceiling for me or short, I guess, long-term in terms of the the end of the season ceiling. I love the deal for both teams. I love the deal for Toronto. I do too. Yeah, I uh, do too. Because I didn't think anybody would give them three number one picks for this dude who's already publicly said, look, I'm not signing with anybody. I want us for agency. Okay, fine. I love the deal for Indiana because it's been a while since they've been really good of any good. Um, and I like the deal for Indiana because they're pretty much rolling the dice and going, you know what? We think once you play with our star player, Halliburton, you're going to want to continue to play with them. You've never played with a point guard like our guard. And he's going to take care of you. He's fun to play with. Everybody on this team gets along in the locker room. It's got good chemistry. Bunch of young dudes. You're going to want to come back and play here. And I think it's a good gamble. Maybe he doesn't resign it in Indiana and maybe it backfires. But to me, it's worth the roll of a dice because he's such a young, exciting player. He has so much upside. Everybody knows how good Halliburton is. Uh, They have a younger roster uh, that are all playing together. They got a damn good coach in Carlisle. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was worth the gamble. I tend to agree with you. I don't think they get past the second round. Uh, but but again, I think I think it's a good gamble. And if they're able to resign Siakam, then it was definitely worth giving up three ones um, in order to get that deal done uh, at the end of the day. Follow Nathan Mars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Smart. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I I I agree. I mean I do like it for both teams. Um, you know me saying that it doesn't change my opinion on the the Bucks Pacers series doesn't mean I don't think it's a good deal for the, the Pacers. Like I understand why they did it. Um, and yeah, for the, for the, for the Raptors, it's definitely a good deal to get those picks, to get Bruce Brown that you can maybe flip into more picks or flip into whatever is awesome to get for a guy that was probably going to leave in the off season anyways. So, um, when you're, you know, again, when you're a small market team, like the Pacers are like, these are kind of the moves you have to make to like, okay, we have to go 
you know, and this isn't going all in, all in, but this is like, okay, we're, we're making a push here. We're not just going to settle for being this fun middle of the pack team. It's like, we're going to try to be a good team that can maybe spoil some teams season in the playoffs. And, you know, if you can get a little bit better and better each year, all of a sudden you find yourself um, becoming a contender. So I get it from their, from their standpoint. I understand the fit and it, it, I think, yeah, it is a good deal for both sides. He is Nathan Mars. You got to follow him on Twitter at Nathan Mars. You got to follow me at Sparky Radio. Great and growing podcast on your Odyssey app. If you download your favorite podcast at these bad boys are posted on Tuesday and Friday mornings. Uh, as always, tell your friends, tell your family members, and of course, YouTube, Odyssey Sports YouTube page, uh, streaming live there, and also check out some of the old shows there as well. Like, subscribe, follow, hit that bell for notifications on YouTube as well. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, have a good one. Go pack, go this weekend against those uh, San Francisco 49ers. 